what are you willing to do to make sure your partner's happy? And what does that do to your own self-worth, to your own autonomy? I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet, over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey there, and thank you for tuning into another episode of I'm Not Your Shrink. I am really excited for this episode because we are going to tackle some of the common stereotypes, misperceptions, and myths that show up in romantic relationships. And what I hope you will take away from this episode is that we hold so many untrue and unhelpful messages in our relationships, and that oftentimes these perceptions guide us in what we do and how we show up in our relationships. So I hope that with my guest today, that you will be able to shift some of those perspectives. Now, why did I choose this guest? I really wanted to step outside of my expertise and to have someone else bring in a different voice. So someone who doesn't come from a psychological or therapy-based background. And here to do that with me is co-owner of Integrated Wellness, a mental health clinic here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, my business partner, my co-parent, and my partner in life, Greg. Greg, thank you for taking this risk and joining me here on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege to sit here with you, particularly after all the experts you've had on. So I'm, uh, I feel pretty, pretty fortunate to be, uh, to be included. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny because I think you and I both feel nerves right now of of sitting across from each other recording this, and also, you know, just like this is the kind of conversations we have all the time. Of course. And what I really want to do is really just kind of mark this down and have this conversation and let other people see like some of the stuff you and I have actually tackled in our own relationship, busted through these myths, and really worked on really our own communication, how we connect, how we navigate the challenges, and also knowing that by no means have we done this perfectly. Absolutely. It's kind of weird to enter into your partner's work domain. Very few partners, I assume, work together. So, you know, for them to go into their partner's office or their workplace, it's always awkward, right? So... For me, this is uh, this is a little bit of that. So. <laughs> and you know, I think what's important, just to give a little bit of context, this year has definitely been super challenging for everyone. We have experienced a lot of changes in our life. We are certainly very privileged to be able to do what we have done. But yeah, this year has definitely been one of the most challenging for many people. For sure. I mean, it's uh, required shifts for all kinds of families and situations. It's been incredibly hard, and by no means to be want to minimize that in, in any capacity, but we've we've made some, some big changes in our family and had to make it work, and I think we'll talk about some of that today. Absolutely, and one of the things that I always want to emphasize, and I say this to everybody who's, the, the common question I get when they see me at the front of the clinic, they see me 
doing the Instagram stuff with my clients, with the online programs, they say, how do you do it all? And one of the things I always say to people is I don't, I don't do it all because you're there with me every step of the way. You are supporting me. You're one of my biggest cheerleaders. You are an equal and fair partner when it comes to managing the house, the kids, the business aspects. Like it's, it's not just a one person show. No, it, uh, it takes a team and, you know, we've, we've done a pretty good job about it, but it's not perfect. And we've had to navigate some things through our relationship. And then obviously the, the business side of it too, that partners up with that, that makes, you know, it's adds another layer. Um, every family has their own situation. And for us, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been fun. All right, let's go into these. Are you ready for the first one? I think so. Don't go to bed angry. Ugh. I, like, did we even hear this on our wedding day? Did someone say it in a speech? Never go to bed angry. I mean, probably. I mean, it's one of those, I think, cliches. But frankly, someone who's maybe on the more anxious side of things, from my standpoint, I fell into this trap for sure. I always wanted our relationship to be okay all the time. I never wanted you to be mad for an extended period of time. But what I learned over time is really that's just my own anxiety. And then when I would pursue and push and just try and fix things for lack of a better term, rarely did it ever work or, or, or almost never. It, it, it made it worse. And I, I think what I've learned over time too is like giving you the space to be mad or to be upset or to be hurt is actually in a way a sign of respect and that I'm honoring how you're feeling, what you're going through instead of when you're, when you're the anxious partner, you're just kind of pursuing and trying to fix. It's, it's completely self-serving. And yeah. it's, it's not really fair. Yeah, it's a hard one, right? And like, it, you know, being in our, in our house recording this, I can think of one of our arguments where I remember I just needed space. I just needed to like, just let me go to bed on my own. And we, we, we both just could not get on the same page. And I actually went to the separate room and you followed me and I went back and you yeah. followed me. And, but, and, and I get it, right? Because when that anxiety shows up, we want to just fix it. That anxiety is often when there's that distance between two people that then we're trying to fix it. And what's so hard about that is that it works opposite. The other person pushes even harder to get space there. And and it really talks about that idea around that autonomy that like, okay, you know what? My partner is allowed to have their own thoughts and feelings. Their own thoughts and feelings don't necessarily mean that I am bad, that I am wrong, that I'm going to be abandoned or rejected. It just means that my partner's having their own experience and I've got to give them some space to have that. Yeah. It's hard to do. It it, yeah. it takes time. And I think for those who may be on the more anxious spectrum like I, it, it, it's a process. I mean, it's, I think, I think recognizing it for me was, was big kind of understanding what I'm doing from kind of from 30,000 feet instead of being, being in, being in it, um, helps a lot. And then just learning to sit with the feeling of your partner being pissed off at you oh. is, is, is hard. But once you get it, I think it actually helps the repair in the short term and the long term and, and honestly makes it easier. And as in the long term, we're going to reduce that anxiety, not oh. exacerbate it, is what the hardcore pursuing really just did over and over again. Yeah. What do you do to help yourself with that? Because I, I know a lot of people can relate to that feeling of anxiety that comes up when we see our partners um, angry and upset and we want to like pursue and go closer. That's like a common thing that my members talk about in Be Connected. Where right. They say like, I don't know what to do in those moments. I want to pursue them. Uh, what should I do? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's a perfect, perfectly rational response in the short term. Um, it does come with experience a little bit. I think it's just, for me, I just really try and just stop where I am physically, like try and stay in one place and just like think about 
what's happened in the past and what the implications were of that. Really think about, okay, it's going to be okay. We're going to work through it. What, you know, reflecting on what happened in the past when I really pursued, did it work? Okay, no. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's literally about like physically trying to like stay in one spot and really think about it. I know that's hard. I mean, you might have kids hanging off you. There's, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of dyna- dynamics for different families. So it's maybe a little easier said than done, but I mean, experience helps, right? But um, I think the recognition piece is, is the, the most important and, and first piece from my yeah. perspective. Yeah. It's that awareness. It's yeah. so important. It's like you, you can't change something without being fully aware of it, right? Yeah. So what I talk about with couples is that it's really important to be able to park those really tough disagreements, especially when you're having them at night when you're already tired. Because what's happening is that as you're spinning around in your disagreement, you're getting stuck in your cycle, that you are becoming more flooded your your nervous system is becoming more hyper aroused. You are now outside of your window of tolerance. I really like to talk about, are we in our window of tolerance or are we working outside of it? And if we're outside of it, it's not possible to solve that disagreement and argument that's coming up. And what happens is that we keep trying to solve this over and over again, rather than saying, you know what, love, we are not going to solve this tonight. And that can be so powerful and so hard to be able to say, But what I think is really important, especially for the one partner who feels more anxiety like you do, is that it's that reassurance. I love you. You are important to me. We're not going to solve this tonight. Let's park this and come back to it at another time. And it's so important that you both hold responsibility for coming back to that conversation. There is nothing worse than a conversation being left hanging and nobody returning back to it. Okay, this one kind of leads into it. And we had talked about it the other day. When you find the right one, you will know. Have you heard that myth before? Oh, of course. I mean, that's <laughs> cliche as cliche goes, right? I mean, I think there's elements of it you might know, yeah. might know but I mean, I think it's... Did you know when you met me? <laughs> uh, not right away, right? <laughs> we, we should contextualize this. Greg and I met in a bar right. uh, in, in Ottawa one night. I wasn't even supposed to be out. My friend and I had already had a drink after class and then had later on said, "Let you know, my friend is going out. They want us to come with you with us." And there we went and you were there. Yeah. Yeah, I was in from Calgary. Like lived across the country. Yeah. Didn't make sense, right? So, um no, I don't I don't I don't I think it's I mean, for those who truly did know right away, I sometimes feel like it's bullshit. Um but, but <laughs> maybe it's true. I mean, but I think the point is maybe it's okay that you don't fully know right away. And yeah. maybe the process of getting to know someone and, and going through that stage is, is, is how you learn to know. Um, and I'm sure there's a point in the, or a line in the sand for everyone where they kind of either think yes or maybe no. This isn't the yeah. one. Um, and maybe for some people they may never know. And that's, I mean, that's, I think that's maybe a little bit part of life. And I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, it is a hard one. So, so for us, our our story is that you were here for a few nights visiting your family. I was here for school in Ottawa, and then you flew back to Calgary. You asked me for my phone number. I said no way. Here's my email instead. Yeah. We conversed by email, and then MSN chat. MSN chat for those who remember. <laughs> Um, and then several months later, you had said, hey, why don't you come out and see me? And I had never gone to Calgary before. So we essentially had our first date in the mountains, which was wonderful. And, and I remember at one point being out west, visiting you that first time, thinking, I think this guy is going to be my husband. And, you know, I, I can think back to that and really 
um, romanticize that moment. And I do remember, I remember thinking that like, wow, there's something so different about you and what's going to happen here? How are we going to navigate this distance? But what, what was important around that though, is that when I look at that moment, that was a moment for me, but that if I look at like the line between that and today, it's not a straight line. We had these like ups, we had these low, low lows, we had ups and down, like, you know, those middle, those parts of life where you're just kind of going along. Mm -hmm. And I know for both of us, we had moments of, is this the right person? This relationship is hard. Is relationship, like our relationship supposed to be this hard? Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me, and these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable, and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's shrink, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. 
Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com slash I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to know, um, but I think the reality is they are hard. Mm-hmm. Whether they're supposed to be or not, it's just a reality and there's going to be ebbs and flows and mm-hmm. and how and how you navigate and how you manage through those will we'll tell you a lot about yourself and also, and also about the partner you may or may not be with mm-hmm. as I reflect on it like how you navigate some of those challenges early on may tell you a lot about whether or not this person's the right one I mean it's hindsight's obviously 2020 it's easy to reflect back and I'm sure people can relate to that but and it's uh, biased yeah for sure yeah right because you like you you do you did the best that you could with the information of you course. had at that time yeah of course I have heard from so many of you, this pandemic has been hard on your relationship. Whether it's about reconnecting after a new baby joined the family and you are managing life as a pandemic new mom, juggling the multiple demands that this year has brought like stay-at-home orders while also working and caring for your children full-time or losing your job. This past year has been hard. Maybe you've been thinking about couples therapy to help your relationship, but your partner keeps pushing it off or the wait lists are too long. Maybe you just want to learn to strengthen your relationship going into the second year of this pandemic. My online program, Be Connected, helps empower women to go from disconnected and overwhelmed in their relationship to being able to share their feelings and needs, let go of resentment, and improve their intimacy. You can find out more by going to beconnected.drtracyd.com or head over to my bio on Instagram, dr.tracyd, to find out more. I am certain that you will find something in this program to help you elevate your relationship. Okay, I've got another one for you. Talk to me about this myth or this concept. And we've talked about this before. That if I validate my partner's feelings or your feelings, that it means you're right. Mm. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah, that is such a huge myth that shows up in relationships and with the couples that I see. And, and you know, in one way, I really get how this shows up. Like, it, it's such a myth. But I get how it shows up because, I mean, if you think about what you and I learned about communication how to assert ourselves, how to like talk back and forth. Like we didn't really take a course at any point. You and I can both say we've never taken a communication course leading into our relationship. So we don't learn these skills to build closeness. And I can actually remember, like I think we were standing in the kitchen one day and I was like, I just want you to validate me. And I was trying to teach you and to say like, you don't have to do anything. I just, I just want you to say, 
I, it looks like you're really sad. And, and you had said, like, so you just want me to say that. <laughs> like, right. do, do you remember? Like, I, we... I, I do. And, and, and I said to you, like, just repeat back to me. Just, par- like, pair it back to me. I see you are sad. Yeah, and I, and I remember that. I think at the time I didn't think it was that authentic because I'm like, well, I'm just repeating back to me what you're feeling. Like, But I think at the time I, I kind of missed it because I was coming from the standpoint of just this pressure to try and problem solve, to try and make it better, to try and just make it right and be able to, to move on instead of giving you the time and the space to kind of be in your own feelings and validate how you're feeling and, and just sitting in that difficult spot at the time. Yeah, I I would definitely, it's really interesting. I would get more frustrated with you the more you tried to problem solve. I would, I would like press and press and press. I'm like, no, like just see what I'm trying to say. Can you just validate me? So, so like, I think that's one piece when we think about validation is that people really get tripped up on like, what do you want me to do? You just like, yes, just reflect back what you see, reflect back the emotion. But where we get stuck is that people then start to say, well, if I validate you, then you're right. And actually that's, they're they're two separate things. I can validate you and it doesn't mean that you're right or wrong. So what I like to remind people is that we are two separate people, that we each have our own thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires, wishes, and values. And you and I are different with how we experience the world. We are responsible for our own thoughts and feelings, and we are responsible for how we communicate that, but we're not responsible for other people's thoughts and feelings. And so if I come to you and say to you, you're such a screw up first, not a great way to communicate, but you know, you don't validate back to me. Yeah, you're right. I'm such a screw up. That's not what validation is. And so it doesn't mean that I'm right in what I'm saying. It means you, you can say, oh, you're really upset right now. Like you can see that I'm having an experience, but you're not saying you're right. I'm a screw up. Yeah. I think where maybe couples get tripped up is they might not agree with their partner in that instance. So they're trying to fight to be right or yes. fight because it's, it's a bit of control, but it's also just, I think human nature, you want to be on the right side of the argument. You want to, you know, be on the right side. So you try and give that pushback instead of just giving them the space to allow them to feel how they're feeling. And, you know, it's, it's quite the opposite of problem solving. It's actually just stepping back and, and doing the total opposite and it, and it's harder and it takes time and it doesn't just instantly fix thing. And, and maybe that's where I certainly where I got tripped up and I'm sure, I'm sure for many uh, others are uh, in the same boat. Yeah. Like kind of the like, okay, well I still like, I still want to fix this. Like how are we going to move through this? If I'm just saying you're sad, which in reality we just need to know sitting in emotions is incredibly powerful. It's not our job to fix it. That when you can see someone's emotions, when you can, you know, Brene Brown talks about this, like show up in the arena when you can be vulnerable with your partner and you can sit beside them. And instead of kind of that high level of, well, did you do this? What about this? Did you try that? But when you sit beside someone and say, gosh, like I see you're really struggling with this. This is really hard. That takes a lot of risk for each person in a way to sit together in that space of vulnerability and realness, rawness in a way. Yeah. And I think when couples maybe can finally get there to that space I think it's it, it's interesting to see how much easier the problem solving actually becomes in the long term because at the end of the day you still want to navigate through it it's not going to happen right away and that's where I think many people like myself probably got tripped up because they're so focused on the here and now trying to fix it trying to make it go away in the short term that they miss miss mm-hmm. the other piece and then you know it actually makes it easier to quote unquote problem solve over time 
Yeah, absolutely. And what I like about validation, though, I, I, I teach people this in my Be Connected space. I teach them, you know, I walk them through the emotional attunement steps of what you can do with your partner. And what I like to remind people is that there is space for both experiences here, right? Like we spend so much time in our relationships trying to be right rather than just this exploration with our partner, rather than just being willing to be curious with our partner and to see what our partner is experiencing. Oh, that is so much more powerful than trying to be right or proving the other person wrong. Yeah. All right. This also leads into the next one, which is happy wife, happy life. Yeah. I mean, and I wanted to say, I hate hearing that. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> so, so essentially it's like the myth of if she's happy, then I will be happy. If my partner is happy, then I will be happy. To an extent, that's probably true, but it's like, how superficial is that mm. potentially? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you willing to do to make sure your partner's happy? And what does that do to your own self-worth, to your own autonomy? It's so short-sighted in a way, right? Like, I mean, it's big picture. Sure. If, you know, if your partner's happy, is it going to be easier? Sure. But at what expense? And, and what's that doing to the, to the long-term stability and viability of your relationship? It may be self-sabotaging through and through, totally. right? Do you think it's fair to say that you would sometimes hesitate to bring things up because you didn't want to upset me? A hundred percent. And I think that's completely normal. I mean, but that, that kind of circles back to what I said earlier about kind of like being on the sl- slightly more anxious side. It's like, even in past relationships, I, I li- it's not that I wanted it to be perfect. I just wanted it to be like conflict free, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, To avoid the conflict, to right? To avoid. That's, and it's easier, right? Yeah, so, totally. Um, so yeah. So is there still times that, sure. I mean, less so, I hope. Uh, and that's the avoidance, right? We, we all do that in some way. We don't want to yeah. feel uncomfortable feelings. And, sure. you know, as Dr. Megan at the clinic says, anxiety's priorities are not your priorities. That's and good. so it leads you to avoid things and to not want to talk about hard things. But, yeah. you know, it's interesting when I think about that, some of the pivotal moments in a relationship are really when you have actually stepped out of that you know, I don't want to upset you in some way. And you yeah. like called me out. Yeah. Like I can think of like when our dynamic and our relationship changed, it was really when you were able to say like, whoa, you're being critical here. Can you say that differently? Mm-hmm. That's not helpful how you're saying that. You need to stop doing that. And, and I think actually, I don't know if this is true or not. You ha- I have to help me. It was maybe after our son was born that like just knowing how difficult things were, how much I was adjusting, kind of that postpartum period that maybe I did get more critical during that time. I'm not sure. Yeah, that was, that was tough on, on a few levels for sure. And then I think the other thing I want to circle back to, these things are easy to say, but I think it's important we recognize it's hard to implement sometimes because mm-hmm. like you have a lot of self-awareness as a psychologist, like you're probably able to understand and reflect when I would say something like that. But like many people are not in those kind of relationships where their mm-hmm. partner will be receptive to that. They might lose their shit if a partner yeah. says something like that. So, like, like if you saying to me, "That's not helpful" or "That's really critical." Hundred percent. Yeah. Like, particularly in a male female dynamic, the, the, the male. I mean, I, I don't want to overgeneralize, but the male partner might really have a problem with that. And so, I just I do want to flag that it's important, but it's it's going to be it's hard, hard work. 
Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you recognizing that. And it, it does speak to an element of a foundation that we need in our relationships, and that is to have a friendship. And that in a true friendship, an authentic, vulnerable, respectful relationship, you do get to call each other out in a very kind and respectful way, mm-hmm. not in a way of like, and you you didn't do that. Or, or maybe if you did early on in the relationship, we learned how to navigate out of that. You wouldn't say the you're always doing this, right? Like you went up the ante with me. No, because I was a avoidant, right? I mean, but that's me, right? Someone on the other end of the spectrum in their relationship might escalate like crazy. And then like, uh-huh. how does, how does the partner navigate that? So. Right. Yeah. Uh, to contextualize the noise in the background, our, our dog just had some eye surgery and he, he has a cone. So he's roaming. <laughs> he's still around. Yeah, I I, I get that. I think what's important is that we cannot control what someone else does and that instead we are only responsible for how we respond and how we choose to show up. So if you are going to give feedback, if your partner gives you feedback like that, you have a choice in that moment. You can take the feedback, even though you don't like it. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean to say anything about you, right? Like it's, even if you said to me, you're always so critical, which is a critical way of saying that, that it's my choice there. Am I going to take this inwards and fight back to you? Or am I going to be curious about my own behavior? And I think that curiosity is really important. That being willing to say, yeah, okay, maybe I can shift a little bit here. I think that's incredibly important. So my pushback to you, Dr. Tracy, is <laughs> so as the partner, maybe if my partner doesn't quite have that self-awareness, how do I get them? How do I get them there? How do I get them to have that ability to digest or self-reflect and take you, that on? You can't get your partner to do that. That's right. their job. I mean, hey, send them this podcast and they can listen to it, right? Right. Because so, here's the thing. You can do a few things in your relationship. You can, one, you can continue to learn all the things and try all the things. You can accept that your partner is the way they are. And that is a lot of work for yourself as well. If you're going to truly accept, like what I've accepted that you get defensive, that is a space you like to go into and that's okay. No, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> He's so noisy. Oh, or the, or the last one is that then you're ending the relationship and you're moving forward. So ultimately, can I make you change? No. I mean, I can think back to early days in our relationship where I had the stacks of relationships books on the nightstand and I wanted you to read them and maybe you dabbled a little bit, maybe you didn't, but ultimately that's your choice. Right. And, and then we get to learn and move forward, but ultimately we can't control what the other person does. We can only choose our own path. So how would I get, so how would I then help you? Well, I think that is a willingness of, of giving feedback and that's important in a relationship. And I've done that with you of, hey, like, you know, sometimes you're defensive. What, like, help me understand what's going on. And you can tell me that. But if I come to you in this angry space of, God, you're always so defensive, mm-hmm. you're not going to be receptive to that. Yeah, the, the help me understand what's going on is a good one, whether it's for your partner or your kids. I think it's... Uh, help me understand? Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, I like that one. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because it's like, for those people out there listening who maybe just have those partners who are really sh- shut okay. down, shut off, you know, how to... How do you navigate that? How do you get, get through to them? And, and maybe you don't, but they're still in that relationship. They, yeah. You know, it's, it's hard for... Yeah. So what, what the Gottmans find in their research is that master communicators are really good at asking questions. Right. 
and those are the masters, right? Like what, what's, what's going on for you? What do you need? What's hard about this? What could I do to help you? And like, we've got that list on our fridge of those like miracle questions you can ask people. And, and that is huge rather than coming into your partner and saying, you never share with me. What are you doing? Why would you do that? They're all open-ended questions versus closed-ended statements. Uh-huh. Like it's super basic, right? We just yeah. don't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, but we lose that. And, and and like you and I know that we've had periods of distress where it, it's really hard to view the other person with positive intentions, to view the other person as your friend. And, and this is something that I talk about in my community all the time is, you know, how is it that we treat our friends so differently? Yeah. Than our lovers. I know. When did we stop giving our best friends or partners mm-hmm. the benefit of the doubt? Mm-hmm. Like it's partly society writ large right now. We're just raced to the bottom with other people. And then it almost like seeps into our romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's kind of sad in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get it. You might live with them and go through this tough dynamic day after day after day. So you just lose that ability. But Something has to shift. Yeah. Or, or you stay stuck. And if you're stuck, that's where you are. Yeah. And the other thing that's really important there when it comes to our partners, and that we know this, is that the person you feel the safest with, the person you feel most secure with, is the person who's going to see the messy side. I mean, we see that when the kids get home from school or daycare, right? It's like that post-daycare letdown because they feel safe to say, oh, finally, I can just let this all out. I've been holding all these big emotions in. Mm-hmm. You know, when we come home and we've been having a hard day, we just let it all hang out. And, and there is a balance of being able to recognize that, yeah, at times our partners can hold that space for us, but sometimes our partners may not be able to. And we do have to do some of our own work around that. My experience from, from this one, if we like go back to the myth, happy wife, happy life, is really that I want to hear when you are upset and that it's actually harder for me when I don't hear that. Like I need to know where you're at. And it provides me with a sense of safety. And so I think it's been a huge change for us. One, for me to shift out of that critical space, but two, also to hear from you more. And I told my members this and be connected, the banana peel story. And, you know, that one day where you had said, I've got to ask you something. And I'm at the kitchen sink. I'm like, okay, like this is serious. (laughs) And you said can you not put your banana peels in the kitchen sink? <laughs> Every day. Every day. Every day. And I remember in that moment, like I remember just like anger coming through my body and inside I was like, oh yeah? You want to do the banana peels? You Okay, hang on. Let me just list the other things for you. And like I, re- I remember like slowing down in my mind and being like, okay, this is a moment where you are expressing something to me. This is something that you need. You've expressed it in a, in a healthy way, like in a need. I can hear that. You weren't criticizing me or attacking me. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to hear this. I'm going to accept this. And what's funny is that, do you remember? Like you, Of course, yeah. Yeah, you were actually like, no, okay, go ahead. Go ahead and say it. I know you want to say something. Yeah. And, and I just said, no, I will, I, will, I will work hard to do that. And I heard that. And, and I remember thinking in, in this moment, if I'm not going to listen to you about banana peels, what's the message to you when you come, like if something bigger happens, right. if you are feeling not important, if you are feeling not enough, if I can't hear you around banana peels, does that, does that create a space of safety and security for you to come tell me the bigger stuff? Mm-hmm. It also might relate to someone who might be listening who's like, maybe a stay-at-home mom who's 
or partner, frankly, who's struggling with, with their partner and maybe their partner finally does share something as simple as the banana peel with them and they're just ready to go. They got all this stuff in the clip just to hammer them with because there's just a lot. Oh, I'm good at doing that. Right. But I mean, <laughs> think of the stay-at-home partner who's just like ready to just mm. pounce on the partner and just slam them right back. And that's easy to do. I would actually do. argue that the working partner might also feel that way too. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, but maybe the But yeah, if you're in the home and like lots of things are building up. And, 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 you know, the partner says something simple about that and instead of just hearing it, it'd be, it'd be easy just to hammer them back. But I think the point is to just give them the space to, to hear them and like what that message might send to them about just like hearing them out yeah. Giving them the space and time. Yeah. And, and going forward. So what was that like for you when I just heard your banana peels? Even though you're like, come on, give me the list. And I also followed up with the behavior. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's important. I mean, it's one thing to, to hear and it's another thing to do, right? So, um, I mean, in the moment, I mean, I don't think I probably thought too much of it, quite honestly. But I think as we reflect on it, it's like... Although it's so totally silly, it's just kind of one of those yeah. small things that, you know, okay, yeah, I made a change, and you know, and then you can take that same kind of process to, to bigger stuff, and yeah. it's just the little stuff that maybe can send messages to the partner. You don't even you don't even have to agree with it necessarily. Right. It's like I, I think what that says to me, and so here's the thing, and and you know I tell you this all the time, like relationships when we argue, it's always about the silly stuff, like the socks that were left on the floor or, you know, the coffee cup that was left there. Like, it's just, it's all of this stuff because there's always this deeper meaning underneath it. Right. And like, for me, the banana peels for me, what I hear is this is a moment where I can see you and I'm holding you in my mind. So each morning now when I'm eating my bananas, I'm thinking of you and that, oh, Greg doesn't like when I put them there. I'm going to put them somewhere else. And so, you know, what I hear in that is I feel like I'm seen. That's the underneath stuff that Mm -hmm. for so many people, we don't know what that is. We don't know how to access that. We don't even know that there is this underneath stuff that's happening in our relationship that's driving this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and that, you and I have talked about that before, how, you know, again, one of our other silly examples is around my soap that... When you use my soap and it disappears on me and then I have no soap the next day or the lid's left open for it to dry out, that it's not about the soap. No. It's about feeling a privacy for my own things. That stems from my own experiences growing up. And that's like the underneath stuff. But a lot of people don't know how to access that. So when I hear banana peels, I often think about something deeper. So one of the other myths that's kind of old-fashioned that I'll ask you about is kind of this idea that the the woman should be staying home with the kids. Mm-hmm. You touch on that. Yeah, I think that is such an important one, and I, I think we should contextualize it for for you listening. Is that we have made some really hard choices this year that we decided that you would stay home with the kids with COVID, um, and that I would continue to work. And we are very privileged to be able to make that decision. But I think how powerful it is for us to both kind of sit in this and say, actually, no, it doesn't just default to me to have to stay home, that I can still be in my work world and that you can make that hard choice to be at home. 
And it, it was really interesting because one of the things that I had to tackle with that was really around the mom guilt that showed up, that I was leaving you guys here at home every day, going over to the office, seeing clients and coming back. And I just felt like, like all of those beliefs kept coming up for me. I should be at home. I should be the one taking care of the kids. I should want to spend all of this time with them as well. Because I, I mean, I experienced exactly what I know you experienced when you would get home during the first year of mat leave. When I was with the kids all day and you'd get home and be like, okay, here's the baby. <laughs> I will see you later, right? Yeah. And being on the flip side, I would get home and think, oh my gosh, now I have to parent. I'm so tired from working all day. But I, I think this is such a myth in our time today. And also knowing just how many women have been forced out of the workplace because of this pandemic. Um, it, it's a problem that we're seeing right now. And it, it's not... I don't think that we should have to be forced to, to do this. Yeah. I mean, that's forced is a difficult word. I think, I mean, I, I think a lot of families were just left with no choice. Yeah. So I think, I think that that context is important. I mean, depending on your geography, you know, we're lucky our schools are open, but in many places they're not, or just starting to reopen. So, um, depending on the, the jobs of the partners, it's, been something that's just kind of been thrown at them with very little time to react or pivot and then what's been hard too is but why does it default to the women to have to give up their job yeah i mean that's it, it shouldn't uh, it shouldn't um but but that's the piece there though right and that it has so commonly fallen to that yeah i mean each situation is going to be different i think uh, i think that's that's important. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm sure for many couples, the default position was the mom would stay home or mm-hmm. the, 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 the woman would stay home. And For uh, heterosexual relationships, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I hope we're starting to get past that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's always going to be a piece of it. And what I was going to say, too, with each family is, has their own situation. But to your point, there's so many layers, types of job, pay equity, so many societal impacts that layer into this that it's not it's not simple and it's it's um no but hopefully we'll get to a more equitable spot hopefully beyond the pandemic and one of the things that i i really respect about you and in our relationship is that you you were willing to step into this arena in a way that you were not shying away insisting that i should be staying at home because i'm the the woman in the relationship and that in a way this doesn't impact our enoughness or worthiness in this relationship that we are still equal players here like I I very much feel that way I do too yeah I mean it, it was hard at first I mean because there's a you know, particularly as a guy in a kind of in a, in a certain role and, and in the corporate world, I mean, there's there's a bit of ego to it, and there's a bit of loss of short-term loss of identity, perhaps. You know, loss of community. I was in a very social kind of job, um, so so that was hard. But kind of the recognition of you know not letting this situation define who I am or or what I'm going to be. Um, I've kind of learned to flip it, and you know. I'm a bit of an entrepreneur. We're doing some some side hustles and kind of embracing what it is, and and really also embracing the flexibility of being able to to be home and work from home. And um, I'm sure many people have either themselves or partners who work shift work, and 
Um, it can be really challenging. So try to embrace the good, the good with the, the mm-hmm. challenging. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a common one that I hear. That staying at home with the children is not a job or the stay-at-home parent is not working. And now that you've been the stay-at-home parent, what do you think about that misperception or stereotype uh, that people hold? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally upside down. I mean, when you define work as being outside the home, I guess technically they're not working, but it's a, as many can relate, it's a, it's a full-time, nonstop job. You know, when you're working outside of the home, you have those opportunities that have little breaks or social interactions um but when you're home with the kids it's just it's relentless whether it's helping them with virtual school or food and snacks or organizing their activities it's it's non-stop it's i i've said it to you before it's, it's the hardest job i've ever had it's also one of the best but and depending on the trajectory of or the age of where your kids are at i mean it's you're going to have a variety of challenges when they're young uh-huh. they're going to be a certain set of challenges that are really hard and certainly tiring as they get older, maybe less tiring, but not necessarily uh, any easier, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe actually more more challenging, particularly during COVID, in terms of like navigating uh, social interactions, their activities, or not not having know, family support, not having family yeah. support, you know, understanding everyone's own risk tolerance. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's really 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 challenging for somebody to think it's not a job is is not only completely wrong it's it's not based in in evidence or you know any rational <laughs> information from my perspective and you know I, I can connect with this experience because in, in Canada we get the year maternity leave so I was off for a year with each of the kids and then also once we kind of went back to working after that I would be with the kids on Saturdays and I used to say to you it must be nice to have hot coffee it must be nice to like you know go to the bathroom and not have fingers underneath the door and then your dog barking needing something else and everybody needing something all the time like it it is the furthest thing from you know you're not on vacation you're not at home doing a puzzle or scrapbooking or you're not out biking all day long that's right you are working hard and you're working often solo i think maybe that piece is missed a lot too mm-hmm. so like if you're out in the workforce with your job you may or may not be interacting with you know coworkers customers whatever right but when you're home it's typically kind of something you do solo so it's hard you know, the kids need to constantly, but you don't really have any outlets. You're kind of, you get in your own head, you know, because there's no one else to talk to you. Yeah. Um, and as, as I mentioned before, I came from kind of a social, social job in a way. So, so that shift was tough. And, and even if you're not coming from that, just the fact that you're kind of by yourself, um, you know, we're, we're social beings at the end of the day. So that, I think, I think that sometimes gets missed. It's like you're doing all this stuff and you're just doing it like, I had to do it by yourself. I've said to you before that the pandemic has really robbed you of what it's like to, to be at home with your kids because it didn't give you the opportunity to go to the museum and meet up with other parents, right? Like we know other parents who are home with their kids, but we don't get to do that. Or to be at the park with the other parents that the kids can play. Like we haven't been able to do that. I mean, the first several months our parks were closed, so you didn't even get to go and do that stuff. So it's not even this, you know, not to say that I'm trying to compare experiences, but in terms of, like, the challenges that you and people who are staying home right now are facing, they're just, they're really big. Yeah, it's the challenge of being at home plus layers of Mm -hmm. COVID and, like, Mm -hmm. everything else, everything, even the mundane stuff, 
is more difficult. Yeah, like taking the kids to the grocery store, right? Right. So the other one that comes to mind is this idea that the 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 woman in the family holds holds all the cards. Needs to yes. needs to keep us organized, keep keep everything moving. Right. Yes, that is such a big one. And we are gonna talk about the mental load here. Like that is such a big one and it is, I mean, I've done another podcast about this one. I talk a lot about Eve Rodsky's book, Fair Play. She talks about having a deck of cards where you do distribute the tasks between you and your partner, making sure that it is not a, you know, it doesn't need to be a 50-50 split, but it certainly can't be a 70-30. And oftentimes the women holds most of the cards when it comes to the family stuff. And, you know, I, I just think that there, there's this, you know, if I kind of talk about this, even just kind of going into a high level and not going into too much detail about it, check out the other podcast episode with Dr. Morgan Cutlett. But, you know, I am also responsible for how this shaped out. Like in, in the past, I mean, you and I have pretty equal, uh, an equal load right now. But in the past, I would say that I took on a lot of the mental load, not necessarily even knowing what it was. Right. I didn't even know what it was until our son was born and suddenly I'm doing all these things. And I remember the, this concept of the default parent and you, oh, he was, our son was like six weeks maybe, or maybe even like three months. I can't remember. And I remember sitting on the couch and I'm holding our son thinking, where are you? Where is Greg? And like, I looked around the house, I couldn't see you. And I was starting to fume because here I am holding the baby. And then suddenly I hear the lawnmower start and I'm thinking, no way you are starting the lawnmower. And I'm here with the baby. You just left me with the baby. And that was the moment that I became the default parent. You and I actually didn't even know that this was an experience. And I remember we talked about it and I had said like, I don't want to be the default parent. And that was a shift for us in our relationship. But you and I both had just never even thought that this was a thing. No, I mean, I didn't really realize it was a thing to kind of you and Morgan got together and really started to talk about it and flush it out in the podcast. And like, I think for a lot of male partners specifically is when, when you can kind of outline what it is and you're like, Oh shit, like that's quite a bit. I mean, it just, it just kind of happened. It could be a function of how you grew up, like mm-hmm. the, the modeling you had from your parents. I mean, particularly depending on how old you are, right? Your, your, your mom may have just by default did all this stuff and mm-hmm. that's how you grew up and that's just the status quo and it's, you n- never even consider it, but no, cause that's what's modeled to you. Right? right. So you don't stop to question what, what is it that I learned? And then I just fell into that role of doing all the things because that's, that's mostly what I saw my parents do as well as they yeah. saw their parents do. Yeah. I, th- I think the, the hard part with that, though, is that, I mean, that can feed so many other challenges in a relationship, right? Um, so if the default parent or the, the woman carrying the mental load um, can build a lot of resentment, it can break down communication patterns, it can, it can lead down, down a variety of roads that are not all good, right? And it's uh, Impacts intimacy, right? If you, if you resent your partner, yeah. if you're doing all the things, yeah. you have no energy left for sex. Yeah. So, uh, so if the male or the other partner can start to a recognize it, b start to take on some of it, I think it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. That's the other thing too, mm-hmm. is right. Like for me, you still carry the bulk of the mental load in mm-hmm. our relationship. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. However, if there is 
pieces that I've been able to pick off. And I think there has, um, with, with that number, that ratio is, I'm not, I'm not sure. And, and it might change based on what's happening in the family at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I which think, I think is important, right? That, yeah. that ratio is going to change depending on what's going on in our life. Right. I think one of the biggest things for me around this, if I think of our own relationship, has really been about letting go of responsibility for some things. And I, I remember even one year us talking about our family commitments and how I fell into the role of being the coordinator. Like right. I, I was taking on the responsibility to communicate with all the families. And it was just becoming too much that I couldn't keep doing it all. And that was a huge shift for us. And I actually know this is a huge shift for a lot of the women that I work with in Be Connected is when I talk about being able to say, you know, how, how responsible are you for your partners and their family? Right. Is that really your responsibility or is it your partner's responsibility? Mm-hmm. And I remember what I had also said to someone is that they were really worried about um, their mother-in-law's birthday gift. And she said, you know, I'm just worried my partner's not going to get them something. And I said, but maybe, maybe your mother-in-law already knows that about the relationship with their son. And maybe that's not for you to manage the relationship between your mother-in-law and your partner. That's their relationship that they're going to manage. And it was kind of this like aha moment of like, oh, right, I don't have to do all those things. It's not my responsibility to manage the relationship between everybody else. So I think that has been a really big shift in our relationship of me learning. I'm going to step back. Yeah. So to that point, something that comes to mind is if you're going to be the partner that's going to let go, you also need to be able to give your partner permission to try it and maybe screw up. So I'm going to coordinate with my family and maybe set up the next visit. I also have to make sure I'm then communicating back to you. Right. But some partners might not. They might, oh, guess what? My parents are coming over this weekend. It's all set up. Aren't you happy? No. No. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't tell me. But with the good comes the bad to an extent, right? So, so you got to give them the opportunity to, to, to fail a little bit. So you're kind of... Yeah. Yeah, totally. That failing piece is so important. It's like give your partner the opportunity to learn what you already know. And that is around like the diaper bag. You took our youngest to doctor's appointment once and I did not pack. I I love telling the story. I did not pack your diaper bag for you. I said, okay, here you go. See you later. Right. Wish you well on the appointment. And I, and I consciously intentionally in my mind had to say, I will not pack the diaper bag. I will not pack the diaper bag. It's something I always do. I'm not going to do it. And what you, when you came home, do you remember this appointment? I think so. When you came home, I asked you how it went. You're like, well, I certainly learned I need more food to keep her busy in the doctor's office beforehand. We waited a long time, which is something I already knew. And I've already learned have the, you know, the llama pack full of food. Natural consequences. Yes. For the parent, right? Yes. That's a natural consequence. You struggled in that moment. You learned. I wasn't the nagging partner coming in saying, don't forget the snacks. Here, let me get the snacks. I'll just pack it for you. Oh, I resent that I have to pack the snacks for you all the time. And then not being, not being pissed off or annoyed when I came home and admitted that I didn't have enough food. Well, why didn't you? No. To, right? Like you got to let, you got to, you got to say, live with it, buddy. Like yeah. figure it out. 
And I think I remember saying like, oh, that must have been so hard. What did you learn? Right. <laughs> like I think we had kind of laughed about that. And you and I laugh a lot about those things, which I think has been something really important in our relationship that we have those playful bantering moments. And what you had said about the family example, that is such an important piece for people to remember is that you've got to be a team. That yes, if you're taking on something still, don't go and invite your family and not talk to your partner first about that. You need to be a united front. You need to say, okay, is this the weekend we want my parents to visit? Does it work for you? Does it work for me? Okay, I will go and initiate and plan and make sure everything's ready for them to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and give, them the, give them the opportunity to, to try. I mean, a lot of partners may be so used to doing all the stuff all the time. So it might be oh. a, a, a sense of losing or giving up a little bit of control. And that might be difficult mm-hmm. for some. But you kind of can't have it both ways. You know, if you, if you want to reduce the mental load, you got to give up some of that <laughs> control. Or And anything. you know I love my control. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, you can't have it both ways. So, yeah. I mean, I think, I think done, done well and done the right way can be uh, pretty liberating. Might not be pretty, might be bumps in the road, but. But what's the long-term gain? That's always an important question. All right, Greg, let's wrap up. One last question. Thinking of everything that we've talked about today, thinking about our relationship and your own experiences in relationships, what do you want people to know? What, what do you want to leave them with? I'd want them to know to start doing the small stuff frequently. Don't wait till it gets too big, too hard. And feel like you have to do this big grand gesture to repair. Start with the small stuff on a somewhat regular basis as best you can. I think you can do that and not kind of compromise your own value set. We need to remember we're not responsible for our partner's feelings. And I think, you know, maybe even thinking about some of the the male partners who might be listening to this, you know, in a heterosexual relationship, um, you know, don't let the ego get in the way. I mean, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a victory. It's not a, about who wins, right? It's really about just finding the, the space to do the small stuff to allow you and your partner to move forward. And ultimately, it's gonna f- it's gonna free you up significantly, whether it's in your romantic relationship, as a parent, as a friend, as a business person, or in a, you know at work. It makes life a lot easier, for lack of a better term. And I think um, it can really st- start with small stuff. And don't don't let the idea of kind of the relationship repair get in the way of the action. Mm, yeah, that's great. You and I were talking earlier about just how easier life feels, even when you and I feel good together, right? That it's like this foundation. And, and we actually know that from the research that relationship distress is connected to greater mental and physical health problems. So that's important. And we don't have to wait until this like weekend or a week away once a year, it can be these small things that you do every single day. That's right. And just think of the, think of the level of stress that could be there that could also not be there and, mm. and the potential impact that could have. I mean, it's certainly easier said than done, particularly in kind of the times we're in right now, but some of those small things can make a huge difference. What's that small thing that you do in our relationship each day? <laughs> I put you in the hot seat. On the <laughs> spot. Um, and maybe this is where people get tripped up. It's not maybe even about doing something for you, but giving you space for you to just be or just feel at the time, right? That's the whole point of this. It's like it doesn't have to always be you're outwardly doing something. It could be just giving your partner space to be frustrated, upset. Mm-hmm. No, not this, you know, this verbal back and forth over everything. 
One of the biggest things that you do for me is when you put your phone down and we talk. It's important. That's a good one. That's a, that's a hard one for people. I mean, I... Yes. Oh, it's such a big one. So many people are struggling with their phones right now. Yeah, and it's understandable to an extent, but it's it's a slippery slope. And I think that comes back to some of that... You talk to me about it too, like being mindful. Like, what are you doing right now? Like, what are you act? Do you know what you're actually doing? Like, it sounds right. sounds silly, but sometimes and you're just on autopilot, and people, yeah. you know, it's a bit of an avoidance for given everything that's going on right now. But yes, of course, it's been a huge coping. Thank you for sitting with me on the podcast here. I so appreciate you being here with me today. Thanks for having me. I am so thankful to have my partner and my business partner sit down with me to have this conversation. And, you know, it's really interesting to sit across from a man who is willing to say that there's anxiety that shows up in a relationship. And in a society where often we don't talk about some of these hard feelings for men, I feel incredibly privileged that my partner was so willing to risk with me and to risk with all of you to kind of let you in to parts of our life. And there were just some things that really stood out to me from this podcast. And that is first that someone is so willing to risk and to share parts about themselves and to know that we are not perfect. And that really what can truly come up in a rich relationship is this ability to be imperfect and to allow all of that show up without feeling like everything has to be scripted or to go a certain way or to know that, you know, sometimes we're going to get into these really hard places and that we can work through them. And if you don't know how to do that, we can learn how to do that. And I really liked how Greg emphasized that it is easier said than done. I like to remind people of this when they're listening to my podcast that, you know, all of the things that we're talking about are coming from experts people who have really worked on these things, people who have conceptualized and made changes in their life, and that we can't forget that those changes didn't just happen overnight. So if there is something that stood out for you from today, take that one piece, just do one little shift in your relationship that could help you. And I think what really stands out for me is that our job in our relationship is not to please the other person, but rather it is to grow. It is to grow individually. It is to grow interdependently that when we are connected with our partners, when we feel close, when we feel safe, this allows us to grow, but we can't do that if we are focused so much on defending ourselves or trying to prove ourselves right, or if we're busy trying to please the other person or control the other person's emotions. One of the pieces that stood out for me in our conversation today was when Greg asked me about what we could offer to our partners if they are not as open to feedback. And I really want to emphasize that while we can't control what the other person does, we can change how we respond to them. We ultimately get to do that. And if we can change how we start showing up, then the other person can start to see something different as well. And there was a beautiful example from one of my members in Be Connected, where instead of continuing to get escalated in the negative cycle that they so frequently get caught in, 
that this individual was able to say, okay, wait, hang on, what's going on here? What did you hear me say? And she shared with us that by saying this to her partner, it completely shifted the dynamic and it allowed her partner to enter into that vulnerability of what is underneath the argument that is often so in front of us. And so I want to emphasize that while we cannot change somebody else, we know that when one person changes, the other person will start to change as well. I would love to hear from you. Head over to iTunes and leave me a review. Click the stars. Let me know what you thought of today's episode. If there is an episode or a topic that you would like me to cover, please send me a DM or send me an email. Reach out to me on the blog and leave a comment. And I am so thankful that you are on this journey with me on this podcast. Until next time, take good care of you. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.